Anymore. What year is it? I don't care. It's summertime. I'm fried from a day at the pool, let's be honest. But you're, we're going to be with you, whatever you're doing, in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes of gaming goodness because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week delivered the way we love it to be. And that is completely free thanks to our patrons at patreon.com slash DLC pod. They bring the show to you, their generosity, their support, their awesomeness means we get to make more of these. And we are grateful, so grateful, in fact, we're trying to give them stuff in return, including ad-free versions of the show, video versions of the show on demand, the entire back catalog, and tons of bonus content that is exclusive to our patrons, including the audio version of the DLC Book Club with Lana Bashinsky and myself talking about books. We've got Feeling this, feeling this Fridays. The second season is rolling on. We got an entire first season of feeling this where Alex Solman and Christian Spicer talk about the feelings behind video games. It's a can't miss bonus show. Plus, there's the paid DLC program, which is the Wednesday hump day show where Lana Bashinsky, Christian Spicer, and myself get together and hash it all out. Yeah, that's where it gets messy, ladies and gentlemen. And the only way you can check it out is by supporting the show at patreon.com slash DLC pod. But this show, the main show, DLC, it's the show all about games in their many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles. Also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I am your host, Jeff Canada, the spell with two N's and one T. And I am joined, as always, by my friend slash co-host slash nemesis. The guy who's on location on vacation, Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Hello, Jeff. Hello, everyone. Yes, this is another uh, Christian is in Wyoming episode. So I have my travel mic with me. I might sound a little different. I'm actually here, exclusive news here, on location for The Last of Us 17. They've actually already started pre-production on The Last of Us 17. And so mm. that's, that's why I'm here. I don't know if you guys knew that they were already on 17 but they does are. It, and does that's it take here. place in Wyoming? Is that a th- Last of Us thing? I don't even know that. Yeah, Tommy's Camp. That, yeah, it's, oh, it's, Tommy's Camp. Right, of course. Definitely. I... Wyoming is a big, a big, 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 big focal point for the first through the first uh, 16 games, at least. I can't reveal <laughs> what happens. Wyoming? <laughs> because they want to, Oming, right? No? We're having fun okay. already, Jeff. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well, I'm glad you're, ha- you're having fun on your vacation. Thank and I'm you. glad you stopped in with us. Uh, another person stopped in with us, ladies and gentlemen. I'm so excited. You know the DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week, oh, once again, DLC stands for Dompierre live on Chatterdays because we have the host of Xbox Chatterdays, who you can also see on IGN. It's our friend Miles Dompierre back with us. What's up, Miles? What is going on, gentlemen? It's been a hot minute, but I'm excited. You know, I appreciate the commitment on vacation. Giving the people the commentary they need, yeah. You know what, what more can people stop. ask for? So I uh, appreciate both stop. of you. Excited to touch on everything going on. As we all know, it's uh, 
it's been a long 18 months. I mean, and, well, um, I got to tell you, Miles, it is, it is very apropos that you are with us on this episode because I don't know if you recall, but you were on the episode where we discussed the breaking news that Microsoft planned to acquire Activision Blizzard King. You were there with us. Has so it I been figured, that long? Was that has <laughs> been that long? That was, was actually ep- just two days ago. It just feels like it was. <laughs> oh that long. man! Oh. It was episode four hundred twenty-seven. We are on episode five hundred four now. Uh, that is how long the situation. And now, I'm not ready to declare it over. Although by the time you're listening to it, to us, it might be because uh, we are recording this. Before July 18th, uh, just, uh, you know, a day and a half before July 18th. But you might be hearing this, dear listener, after it is all said and done. And that July 18th deadline may have, Microsoft may have done it by now. Uh, So I figured at the very least, we should have you back on uh, at the, uh, you know, at the end, potential end point of this grand (laughs) saga. Uh, for my sake, I I hope it is the end point. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about our sake. We've we've made a meal out of this. I don't know what we're going to talk about in any more episodes. We've been every single week the the twists no. and turns. You know, it'll be the clip show, the best episodes yeah. of us talking about it. Then we'll have hey, a baby. You know, remember the deal, the Microsoft deal. <laughs> you guys remember that? What anyway. what I'm looking forward to is the succession spinoff of the Xbox ABK yes. deal called acquisition you know that's so good i like it i like it uh see how many people at uh, microsoft can call each other see you next tuesdays you know what I'm saying? <laughs> anyway uh <laughs> let's get into it uh so glad to have you here miles let's uh, start the show the way we always do with story of the week story of the week it's the story of the week story of the week it's the story Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories for our consideration by sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. You can also send comments, questions, suggestions, your reviews, things that we should be looking at. We love hearing from you. Send us emails, dlcfeedback at gmail.com. You can also get a hold of us and be part of the community by hanging out in one of our forums. We have a subreddit at 5x5dlc.reddit.com and a Discord, which is also 5x5dlc on Reddit, or excuse me, on Discord. Uh, lots of great folks hanging out in both those places, so I urge you to take part. But Miles, you are our guest, so you get first pick of stories. What would you consider to be your story of the week? My story of the week is what we touched on at the top of the show the possibility that we might we might just be at the very end of the ongoing Activision Blizzard acquisition saga yeah i mean that july 18th deadline felt impossible just a few weeks ago and here we are on the eve of the eve uh and it does feel like they may just squeak it in under the wire and avoid having to pay 3 billion or whatever it was uh, in penalties uh, we got all kinds of crazy stuff that happened this week. The FTC uh, injunction hearing came down with a ruling saying, uh, Microsoft, no injunction, no injunction. You win uh, full steam ahead, uh, which, you know, a lot of people reported as being the end. It wasn't the end. FTC appealed that ruling. That appeal was denied uh, very quickly, very quickly by the judge in that case as well. 
Uh, and then we got a message from uh, the UK's Competition Markets Authority, the CMA. We've talked about how the UK has uh, been a big roadblock in this, uh, this pr- process as well. Uh, and they have extended their deadline on the final decision. So they're not stopping the July 18th deadline either. And one thinks that, you know, it's harder to undo something that has already been done than stopping something that hasn't happened yet. So it seems like things are paving the way for this actually happening. And then crazily enough, here we are Sunday evening, July 16th, when, as we record, the news breaks on a Sunday, which never happens. Usually it's on Monday and we've already talked about, we've already published the show and people are like, Hey guys, guess what? Big news. This time, the news gods benefited DLC, and we actually got a pretty big news here that Microsoft has announced they have signed a deal with Sony to keep Call of Duty on PlayStation. So much like the deal that they signed with Nintendo, where they said, hey, we're going to put Call of Duties on Switches somehow for 10 years. 10 years! We don't know the details of this agreement we don't know if it's also 10 years it's we don't know 10 that. years it, 10 years is what is coming out as again this is breaking as yeah, we're it's happening right now yeah but it, yeah. so we don't know a, a lot of the details maybe uh you're reading more than than five minutes ago when i surfaced the story but miles uh that's a big overview a lot has happened did you think that we would be here sitting here on july 16th saying this is probably going to happen by july 18th did you doubt that this was actually going to come together. What are your feelings about it? What's fascinating about this entire situation is that we are coming down to the very wire in a way that most of these types of deals don't. And we've had the preliminary injunction hearing. And that was the, again, if that went, if that was granted, that would have essentially been the death of this. And now, even though things aren't official, there's not a whole lot stopping it. Obviously, the CMA is still a factor. They, I imagine they're still going to try to work out some deal with the CMA. But the fact that it is coming this close to the wire, it is it is the most succession-esque just roller coaster. <laughs> this entire yeah. song, the ups and downs. What I love most about this whole thing, that we waited 18 months to get to the point where PlayStation and Xbox have signed the DocuSign has came in between <laughs> Phil Ryan and Jim uh, Jim Ryan and Phil Spencer, but PlayStation get ended up getting a worse deal. The original deal said, "All right, we're going to give you Call of Duty and some Activision titles," and now the deal says we're going to give you Call of Duty. You get Call of Duty guaranteed for ten years, but now that's it. So it took eighteen months of PlayStation kind of kicking and screaming and obviously not wanting this deal to go through for a lot of different factors. And then at the very end, the 11th hour, they, they cave, they signed the agreement and the agreement is worse than the first one that was presented. Uh, so it's been, you know, probably an unfortunate and disappointing saga for PlayStation. Obviously they don't want to see this go through. It hasn't gone through, but at this point in time, that July 18th date becomes less of a, make or break moment because we're at a point now where even if it hits july 18th and the the deal is not through which some people are suggesting that they're just gonna hammer it in and monday they're gonna make the big announcement which that could be the case it could just be announced on monday but even if they want to sit down with the cma at this point in time they are not forced to pay three billion dollars on july 18th 
That only happens if Blizzard decides to walk away. And I can't imagine with the FTC clear that they're going to walk away at this point, especially if it's going to be another few weeks. I mean, we've waited 18 months. What's another few weeks at this point? So, such a, yeah, such a roller coaster. Uh, evidently, Wall Street thinks it's going to happen. Um, NASDAQ is delisting Activision Blizzard uh, as of tomorrow morning, as we record this, as of July 17th. So they think it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, Christian, you know, you and I at the beginning thought this would happen. Uh, I think our our uh, our uh, <laughs> confidence maybe was shaken a few times as the roller coaster went up and down. But this is kind of how these massive things go, right? Is that the, it's not always a smooth sailing. What is your feeling as we get to perhaps the end of this wild ride. Yeah, I will say I am proud of us. We have remained steadfast in our prediction of what was going to happen. Not necessarily that it was going to be, you know, here at the final hours per se, but each roadblock that came up, you know, there'd be the question, do I still think it's going to happen? I would say I do still think it's going to happen. And I think the biggest signal post right now is that, as you mentioned on Sunday, this Xbox, Sony, you know, keeping Call of Duty on PlayStation deal is made public. And I don't think anybody would be going into that agreement if they did not assume right. <laughs> that this right. deal was going <laughs> yeah. to happen. So yeah. Sony expects it to happen. Microsoft certainly expects it to happen. I still, too, expect it to happen. The CMA, I think, was the biggest curveball in there so far. But, I mean, it is full steam ahead, and I am very curious how quickly – the next step for me is a story that never ends – is assuming this goes through, I am very curious how quickly things start getting rolled into, you know, Team Green, so to speak, and how quickly we see integrations from ABK Games into Microsoft when we see that first Game Pass drop, when we start seeing those things start changing over. And um, I, I don't think that this story is going away anytime soon, even after the merger is complete, because I think there's going to be a lot of nitty gritty. I think the talk of unionization comes back again. Microsoft has says that they are fine with it generally, and they kind of proved that when I think it was Bethesda folks who unionized and Microsoft did not fight it. Um, and, and Blizzard has certainly had its own round and Activision uh, ABK folks have had their rounds of unionization, and I'm curious if that comes up again, as we are now currently, um, I believe, Jeff, you and I are both on strike, uh, technically, as, yeah. as SAG has voted to go on strike in addition to the WGA in the Hollywood side of things, and I'm curious to see how that plays out. I think there are a lot of other pieces now that will come into play after this deal is done and done, so to speak, and I remain riveted by it. I would watch the acquisition show as miles suggested i would also <laughs> watch the harvard business review just straight up case study <laughs> you know yeah. of this whole thing it is riveting yeah it's nice that you and i now uh are not getting tv and film work because it's our choice <laughs> no, I, I i jest but we are we've very much support the uh sag after strike as well as the wga strike i can think i can speak for you christian in saying that we both uh, yes. very much support it uh but yes uh miles i'm curious you know, um, here we are 18 months later, back, you're back on the show. I'm wondering if uh, at this point from a consumer's perspective, and we can talk about these, you know, these big deals and these big multi-billion dollar corporations uh, and whether they're good for business or not business or whatever, but you, from a consumer's perspective, from a gamer's perspective, from somebody that covers Xbox 
as intensely as you do. Do you, have you changed your opinion on this deal? Uh, what? How do you feel it's going to be? Do you think it's going to be a good thing, a bad thing, or somewhere in the middle for us, the the, the players? That's what's been most interesting about this FTC's case, essentially against Xbox, is fundamentally they are supposed to speak on how this impacts us as the as much as I hate the word consumers. Uh, yeah. And that's been something I've been racking my brain about as well, because obviously I cover a lot of Xbox. I focus on Xbox. I have an Xbox centric podcast. And so I've been trying to think about people who are bringing up good questions and bringing up hypothetical situations of how this could negatively impact me directly. And I am genuinely having a difficult time seeing the negatives. If you're someone who plays Call of Duty every year on PlayStation, for example, there's there's a document now. There's a legal document saying that's not going to change for you. You're still going to be able to play. You're not going to have to spend more. You're not going to have to buy a new console. On the flip side of things, if you have an Xbox or if you don't, you, you've been turned off by the fact that you have to pay $70 for Call of Duty. You have to buy a console for Call of Duty. Xbox now with their game, game Pass and game streaming are essentially saying you can play it wherever you want. Um, and you can play it for less money. You don't have to pay $70 every single year to play Call of Duty. And again, for me, that essentially says I'm paying less money every single year. And for me, that is a win. There are hypothetical situations where Xbox jacks up the price of Game Pass, jacks up the price of games, completely changes the monetization models. But I'll be frank and say that Activision has not been a, a gold standard for pro-consumer practices. Um, in comparison, comparing Microsoft games to Activision games, Activision historically has been very aggressive with monetization. They're, they were one of the first to do the full premium price game with a, with battle passes, with microtransactions, which, which we've seen in Call of Duty. So, yeah, it's hard to say that things are going to be worse under the Microsoft banner for the customer. So for me, this this seems positive. It's It's really hard for me to point to a specific negative for me. Yeah, I I kind of fall into that place myself. And I'm, tr you know, obviously less competition tends to be bad. And it's not, uh, it's not something I want to applaud to say, oh, you know, two massive, massive, massive companies are becoming one company. There's going to be fewer, you know, fewer ways for these companies to compete with each other. That tends to be a bad thing. In this particular case, I'm kind of in your camp as well. I, I'm, I'm genuinely excited for some of these Activision Blizzard games to join Game Pass. I just, I, I'm excited about that. Um, but yeah, I'm conflicted because, you know, these types of deals tend not to work out very well. And uh, consolidation tends not to be the kind of thing that is good for consumers as you mentioned, and as Christian has often mentioned, the idea of, yeah, it's great now, but now we own everything and we have all the stuff you want. We can just set our own price and you have to deal with it is a scary potential future. I don't know if that's going to happen, but we've already seen this year the price of Xbox Game Pass going up, uh, what, a dollar or two? Creeping up, creeping up, creeping up. And the more stuff they've got, the more value they're giving you. Maybe they'll ask for more in, in return. So that is a worry. But I tend to agree with you, Miles. I, and Christian, I'm curious where you stand. You tend to be more skeptical on stuff like this. So I'm curious what, what your position is. 
Yeah, initially right now, I think it is very pro-consumer in the sense that people will be getting more for the same or less. And I also think, as Miles mentioned, Activision doesn't have the best track record in terms of overly monetizing their games. And also, they don't have the best track record in terms of treating employees well or being run by a a high C-suite of people who are um, seem like good and decent people. And more recently, the Xbox side of Microsoft has seemed to be run by people that care about their employees in, in other ways. And yes, it's still a, a huge business, and I'm not saying that everything is perfect over there, but it does seem like a better place. And so I think that there could be very soon to be enacted positive changes at ABK as a result of this acquisition. The hard part is to try to extrapolate out five or even 10 years, which I think when you think, oh, well, PlayStation is going to have Call of Duty for 10 years. That feels like so far from now, but the time between Breath of the Wild and Tears Tears of the Kingdom was six years. We talked about that on this show, you know, like how those times between things feel small to us as we get older. In this case, it's 10 calls of duty. (laughs) Right. But I I just feel like, I feel like that 10 years is going to go by. It's fast. It is fast. And so to look at this deal now and try to picture what the landscape for games will be like five or 10 years from now is where this acquisition is going to come home to roost. And I don't know if it'll be negative because of the cloud stuff or because of consolidation and acquisitions, or if it will actually be a positive place where now we have two behemoths competing kind of on equal footing in terms of headspace in in the area, the Nintendo still doing their whole thing. But I mean, so much can change between now and then. So right now I am excited and hopeful that there is executive shakeup at ABK and that workers' conditions are better there because of this acquisition. And then I'm uh, a little more hesitant in terms of the long-term ramifications of this deal. And I think that's what the CMA and FTC were trying to argue too. The problem with that argument is it's you know a little crystal ball-y and the evidence on the table right now doesn't show pure monopolistic or actual true harm to consumers. So it's hard to prevent it based on, you know what? Eight years from now, I might not like this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty crazy. I, you know, back there in episode 427, we were kind of uh, gobsmacked at the audacity of this deal and, and the size of it. I mean, it is, it's the biggest acquisition ever in this space. And one of the biggest acquisitions ever in any space. And, you know, it, it really does take one of the major publishers in the world off the table, in a sense, uh, you know, smushes it into another of the biggest publishers in the world. And that is that is no small thing. It is a massive, massive deal. And it, it's funny how it's come down to basically Call of Duty, which is the big thing. But, you know, you've joked, Christian, a number of times that if this happened, you know, 20 years ago, it would have been all about Tony Hawk's Pro Skater or Guitar yeah. Hero or something, you know? We, go. Ta- we would have been talking about, like, we promise Tony Hawk will be on your system for 10 years. We promise. Yeah. You know? Um, <laughs> uh, so it, I think, I think it, it can feel smaller than it is when it's talked about in terms of just Call of Duty. You know, and, and last week when we, when we read all those leaked numbers, we see how big of a deal Call of Duty is, which is 
a massive amount of revenue for anybody that owns it and anybody that has it on their system. So it's no small thing, but it can feel a little less important just when you talk about a single title. But this is a huge stable of games. And we've already heard, you know, Phil Spencer talk about getting excited about all this sort of dormant back catalog of Activision IP that he's like, oh, I'm going to you know dig through there and find cool stuff and give it to different, you know, different first parties and stuff. There, there's a lot of really kind of interesting, exciting might be the wrong word, but I'm kind of excited to see what happens with these things going forward. And on a number of levels, on a sort of personnel level and, you know, is is uh Bobby Kotick going to be there and is, is are there going to be shakeups sort of structurally but also like on the granular level of you know what does Microsoft do with this stuff now i think is all going to be very interesting to see how it plays out so there you go folks july 18th it's coming uh and it's uh it may be you, by the time you hear this you may already know something else you need to know if you don't already know is about our sponsor, Factor. Now that we are in the thick of summer, you might be looking for wholesome, convenient meals to support those sunny, active days. Hey, I know I have enjoyed Factor meals. My wife got me into these. She has loved Factor for quite a long time, and she got me into trying them because on the go, often, I will admit, I skip lunch. I shouldn't. I shouldn't. I got to keep myself fueled. Sometimes I just wake up in a puddle of my own drool. I'm like, how did I get here? Oh, didn't have any energy. (laughs) I'm just kidding. But Factor is America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. And it can help you fuel up fast with flavorful and nutritious ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. Like I said, my wife has been doing this for so long. She loves, she saves time, she eats well, and she stays on track reaching her goals. If you're too busy with summer plans to cook but want to make sure you're eating well with Factor, you skip the extra trip to the grocery store and all the chopping and prepping and cleaning up too while still getting the flavor and nutritional quality that you need. Factors fresh, never frozen meals are ready in just two minutes. And all you have to do is heat and enjoy. Then get back outside and soak up the warm weather. Best of all, you can stick to your wellness goals with premium, ready-to-eat meals featuring high-quality ingredients such as broccolini, leeks, and asparagus. Treat yourself to over 34 weekly restaurant-quality options like bruschetta shrimp risotto, mmm, green goddess chicken, ooh, and grilled steakhouse filet mignon, la la la, all ready in just two minutes. Are you too busy running around during the day to think about lunch? That's me. That's me. Keep your energy up with lunch to go. Effortless, wholesome meals like grain bowls and salad toppers that are ready to eat when you're on the go. No microwave required. I'm telling you, Factor has improved my life, my family's life, and it can yours too. This July, get Factor and enjoy eating well without the hassle. Simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered to your door. Ready in just two minutes, no prep, no mess. Head to factormeals.com slash DLC50 and use code DLC50 to get 50% off. That's code DLC50 at factormeals.com slash DLC50 to get 
50% off. All right. Christian Spicer, what is your story of the week? It is definitely the biggest story is the all the ABK Xbox stuff. And there's a lot of Xbox news that I think are important stories this week. But what I want to ta- spend time talking about was also surfaced in our Discord from Venerable Hero. And it Bungie won a lawsuit against a player who harassed some of the staff on Destiny. They won an almost $500,000 in damages from a Destiny 2 player who harassed one of Bungie's community managers and that community manager's wife with abusive, racist, and distressing calls and messages. This person even sent an unsolicited pizza order to their house. and instru- Which doesn't sound bad, but the way it, it, it was intended to be harassing, and harassing. threatening. And, and, I know where you live. And, they and instru- instructed, yeah, and yeah. instructed the d- driver to pound on the door. Uh, you know, it, it's it's really disgusting. Yes, and apparently this this person, the defendant in this case, was angry when the community manager highlighted um, fan art from Black community members, and then this person left bigoted voicemails to the community manager's personal phone. Did a whole bunch of horrible stuff that I'm not going to spend time mentioning on this show because I don't want to sound like I'm giving this person any more air than they need. But the reason that I find this really interesting and perhaps beneficial long-term for this toxic online world in which gaming unfortunately often lives is that with the win in this case in state court, it seems like a new tort was recognized. And a tort is, um, generally speaking, it's a legal term and it's an injury or harm. In a suit, it's called a tort, and you can get more specific than that. I'm not going to waste a bunch of time on it. But there are specific things that are recognized that can be considered torts when you file a lawsuit against somebody. And now in the state court, they've recognized this new new tort around cyber and telephone harassment. And it's significant because it allows the employer to use their resources to protect employees – who face harassment as part of their jobs. So you can imagine in the United States filing a lawsuit, a civil lawsuit against someone is very expensive. And oftentimes finding an attorney that will take your case, they're like, well, I don't think I'm going to win a lot of money on that. So I'm only going to get a percentage of what you win. It's not really worth the time and a whole bunch of other factors that go into it. But when the employer now is able to take that case on behalf of the employee who is being harassed, this opens the door for people to pursue these types of cases now in defense of their employees, which I think is great because one, hopefully it will put a chill in these types of trolls that would otherwise think to do something like this because there is real ramifications for their actions now. And two, I love the fact that employers are able to go to bat for their employees in a way that is more than posting something online and saying, hey, you know, we're all people here, treat everybody with love and respect, which is also great. But the fact that they're able to take significant, concrete legal action and preventing this type of thing from happening, I think is incredible. And my hat's off to Bungie for stepping up to the plate to not only attempt this, but to stick with it and follow through and now in Washington have this new tort recognized. I think this is huge and I hope to see more of this happen in a way that we can protect the people that are working for a company as the public face side of things because they never deserve the anger, hate, and vitriol that so many people often send them 
it's a hard job and these people oftentimes are always doing a great job representing the thing that we love and it's nice to see the corporations and the legal system recognizing that work and having their back i think it's big yeah i agree um you know one of the statements that was released after this was that uh it was significant because it recognizes the patterns of harassment escalate from online trolling to real world violence i love that and i think you know this is uh this was a half a million dollars in damages that that was awarded um i hope that has a chilling effect i hope that i hope that word goes out far and wide uh and uh people who think about doing this kind of garbage really think about the fact that they might be on the on the hook for you know half a mil uh if if they're found liable for this and, it, and it, civil civil liability again opens a whole other door than criminal liability because yeah. the idea of pursuing something criminally takes time effort resources i was involved in a hit and run accident in la not too long ago Who here. Did you everybody's, hit? everybody's fine uh the other car that hit me i guess <laughs> <laughs> and again they you know zoomed off on an exit and then like waved and taunted us as they drove away but like that is a clear criminal act and then you report it to the police and they're like we we can't do it. Yes, we could probably get traffic cams and, you know, CSI it, but resources limited, not going to do it. And oftentimes this type of thing as well becomes something that police officers and a criminal court doesn't have the resources to pursue fully, or there isn't a clear criminal act that has been committed, but opening the door for this civil type lit litigation of harassment. And as you mentioned, Jeff, the, es the showing the escalation is, um, is, is substantial. And I, I think it's, uh, it's telling, unfortunately, the state of the world, but hopefully this is a little light at the end of that tunnel. Yeah. Uh, Miles, we, you know, we've talked uh, a lot uh, over the years uh, in the, in, you know, in the, the community of, of gamers, uh, people that want this kind of thing to, to end, what can be done? What can be done? This certainly feels like a, a big step toward that. Would you agree? Absolutely. Because for the longest time, it's essentially been, Oh well, have tough skin. You're mm -hmm. online, you're yeah. you're active with the community that comes with this inherent risk. And I've always thought that that's been an unfair expectation for someone who works for a company, especially one on the size of Bungie. You want these companies to have your back and you want these companies to be able to have recourse when you're in a situation like this because it is it it sucks to be just someone essentially doing your job engaging with the community to have this backlash and then have that backlash turn into personal harassment to you and your family. And the fact that this is a new tort means that this will be something that future cases can use. And this $500,000 figure is something that they can throw around and say, you know, this, this was $500,000. So we can escalate that for the, the SWAT situations. We've seen some repercussions for that as well. So for a, for a long time, there was this anonymous energy that, that allowed a lot of really terrifying, horrifying, ugly things on the internet. And now we're starting to get legal precedent that says, all right, there are going to be financial repercussions, huge, heavy financial repercussions if you decide to engage in this. So at the very least, I hope that may make some people second guess if, you know, just being a good person isn't good enough. Maybe a $500,000 fine is enough to make someone say, okay, maybe it's not for me. We can hope. We can hope. And I, like I said, I hope this news <laughs> travels far and wide among people that uh, 
consider doing garbage like this because uh, they need to know that it's not going to be tolerated. So yeah, a landmark and I think a really good step in uh, having some accountability for that kind of just awful behavior. All right. Um, you guys have left me a lot of really good options. Actually, before I want to, before I get to my, uh, <laughs> before you get to your story, you're going to mention 10 other stories that yeah. aren't your story. Yeah, that's all, that's all I do. <laughs> um, before I get to the story, I really want to talk about, uh, miles, you're here. You've been uh, covering Xbox for a long time. You still can, can, uh, concentrate on, on Xbox, uh, to a l- large extent. Um, and I'm curious, we saw a major personality, stepped down after a long tenure, Major Nelson, uh, Larry Herb, uh, who you know I've interacted with, I'm sure you have, and has been ubiquitous uh, in the Xbox community uh, for many years, has stepped down after 20 years, uh, says he's going to work on the, quote, next chapter of my career. I uh, don't know what that means yet, but I wondered if you had any comments about him or uh, any, you know, remembrance of, of what he sort of meant for xbox fans seeing that announcement post it was really it was it's the end of an era major nelson has been synonymous with the xbox brand for as long as i can remember uh xbox came out i think i was 11 at the time that the original xbox came out and major nelson was one of the first faces and voices i had seen tied to a brand in in a public spotlight you would always see him at events. You would always see him at launches. You would always see him at showcases. And he was the the liaison between Xbox and the community. And I think in a lot of ways that inspired companies like Nintendo and PlayStation to have that face and have that voice and to see so many people just celebrate this person's legacy and their impact on their lives and their careers. It was it was really touching. And it was it's not something you ever think about. You, you you see Larry, you see him on the Xbox podcast every week and you say, yeah, Larry's going to he's going to be around forever. He's going to be with Xbox forever. And then to see him announce that he's packing it up after two decades, longer than some Xbox fans have even been alive. He's throwing in the <laughs> towel. Yeah, it was it was kind of a bummer to see. You know, I'm happy for him. I'm excited to see what that next chapter is. I know at a certain point we all want to go do new things. So I respect him for for doing that. But as an ex, a longtime Xbox fan, that was a bummer. That was a huge bummer. Yeah, I'm curious what is next for him. And uh, and you know, evidently the the podcast that he uh, has run for from many many years is taking a little hiatus and will be coming back uh, with an, a new format. Um, by the way, Microsoft, if you're looking for anybody to replace Major Nelson, I think we have three candidates here that would put our hands up. <laughs> well, uh, I don't want to speculate, and I, I don't know, but just Microsoft also laid off a whole bunch of folks in the areas that would potentially be Larry's area. So I, I don't know. Again, as we're as of we're recording this, maybe there'll be some more information or maybe he'll announce something. I, I am not sure if he is you know, walking away from Xbox, so to speak, versus mm, the times have changed and Xbox some major cost cutting but to miles's point you know jeff we talk about on this show a lot the nintendo directification of the industry and i think before that it was major nelson major mm. i don't know if nintendo direct would exist without major nelson his podcast was one of the very first i think i ever listened to and i think he did an incredible job being a spokesperson for a franchise without ever feeling like i'm reading pr bullets yeah like really walked that line very well 
and was a seemed like a genuine advocate for the brand and came from a place of love and passion. And every time I was able to interact with him at an event, always had time for everybody. I know there's like the meme of him when the camera turns off and him like resting his smile. Yes, that's what everyone does. <laughs> when you're not on, you take a break and you relax. <laughs> I can tell you from meeting him several times over the years, he was always gracious, always had time for everybody and truly loved you know, the games and products that he was working on. And it is, as Miles said, it is the end of an era. And hopefully whatever is next for him, whether his choice or somebody else's is, is an incredible one. And also as uh, enriching and enjoying for him as it possibly can be. Well said, well said. I don't have anything to add to that. Um, all right. Uh, so my actual story of the week, this is fun and I want to talk about it. I want to talk about it. It's my story of the week. And ladies and gentlemen, save your pennies. Because we found out this week that Assassin's Creed Mirage is shipping with a haptic suit. That's right. <laughs> I don't know how you pronounce this. Owo or O W O. Uh, I think it's ow, 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 <laughs> ow, 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 ow. Yeah, I think knife to back right. of neck. Ow, ooh, ooh, that hurts. Uh, have you wanted to feel like an assassin? Have you wanted to feel the impact of parkour? Have you wanted to feel quote, multiple different sensations? Oh, including things like quote impacts and parkour or punch dart and quote severe abdominal wound. (laughs) (laughs) If so, you can get, the Assassin's Creed Mirage pack in haptic gaming system from oh whoa whoa whoa. It will support PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5, Xbox One, Xbox Series, and PC. And you can get it for the low, low price of $560. But fear not, it will come with a digital edition of Assassin's Creed Mirage. We don't know when this will ship, although it Probably will happen around the time that uh, that Assassin's Creed Mirage comes out, which is October 12th. Uh, it looks like a shirt. It looks like a, sort of like a, one of those workout shirts you might wear, you know, like an Under Armour type of dealio. Uh, but evidently we'll be uh, giving you severe abdominal wounds. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of this, Miles? Are you ready for the haptic future? Let me tell you, every time I'm playing a video game, one thing I immediately want to feel is severe abdominal pain <laughs> that's the one I, th- I look at vr i look at haptics and controllers and i say no that's not enough immersion i need to be injured i that's want right. to feel extreme pain i'm hoping you know, this thing previously previously video game companies had to partner with taco bell to give you some <laughs> severe abdominal pain no longer no, they strap this thing on. I hope it's piping hot. I hope one of the sensations is 150 degrees and you're just burning and you're getting stabbed in the Is abdomen. it broken or is this how it's supposed no. to feel? It's burning. It's That's burning. called immersion. All right, gamers, step it up. You want to play Assassin's Creed Mirage, you better pay $560. Otherwise, you are cheating yourself. Listen, I am not going to buy this. <laughs> but. What? But. I have to say, part of me is curious. I'm curious. Are, is, are you a little curious, Miles? Curious, 
I will 100% be submitting a request for a review unit. <laughs> Absolutely. And if I can it's, go ha- chest on, hands on, what do you what do you call this when you strap yeah. it to your body? I'm yes, I'm I'm so curious. I I want to try this more than anything, but not $560. It's times like this I miss in-person E3. Right? You get to see people walking out going, "Oh, my <laughs> I've just been pummeled by a video game. <laughs> it really hurts. It really hurts. Uh, Christian, what do you think, man? Uh, it comes in a variety of colors. I, I mean, gonna... people said PSVR 2 is too expensive, and now I feel like I got a deal. You know, what a bargain <laughs> PSVR 2 was. A... So it is very easy to make fun of this thing, and I think to some extent rightfully so. The silver lining of this, or I guess the optimistic Christian is – I genuinely love seeing new tech get advanced. And we've had versions of haptic chest plates and stuff like that before. This certainly is not the first. But I'm and, – and what was it? The Pulse or the Sense Adapter for Res on PlayStation 2? It was like a, a little vibrating box that you just plugged into one thing. Like I, I like this type of stuff of moving the industry forward. I love the haptics in my PSVR 2 headset. You know, So I do think there is a world – for this i don't think it is the home consumer but i do think you know going to disney and going on the next star wars thing where you're a stormtrooper and you put on a little vest to go through the interactive experience and you feel a little laser blast like that sounds awesome it really not severe abdominal pain maybe like (laughs) slight you know give me like I have to toot abdominal pain but but i think it sounds pretty cool yeah, I mean, you, you got to hand it to Ubisoft, don't you? you? You, I mean, they will, they will support any weird ass thing, right? Somebody comes to Ubisoft and they're like, "Hey, I got this thing," and they're like, "Yes, we're doing it." I love them. I love them. They they will support everything. It's great. Um, yeah, I agree. It's easy to make fun of. I, I do. I'm genuinely curious. I want. I would love to try it. Uh, if you get your review unit, Miles, you have to come back on the show and tell us how it felt. But yeah, uh, if I can walk, that's- <laughs> you can walk. You're like, I can't. I need to someone right now. I can't. Kids, um, I told you to clean your room. We're sorry, Daddy. Nope, it's too late. Too late for sorry. Go play Assassin's Creed Mirage. <laughs> no, Daddy, no. Know, play please. Assassin's Creed Mirage. Legally, <laughs> I can't beat you, but Assassin's Creed Mirage can. <laughs> Daddy, what difficulty level are you putting it on? <laughs> anyway, there you go. Save your pennies, ladies and gentlemen. 30 different sensations. 30 different sensations. That alone is pretty amazing. Um, all right. Let's get to the games that we have been playing in a segment we call The Playlist. Ooh, What has made your playlist this week? Exoprimal, baby! Yeah. I've been morbidly curious about this game since it was revealed. They had the mean-spirited announcement trailer that has the close-up on the the character that looks exactly like the protagonist of Dino Crisis. Capcom fans are screaming, Dino Crisis is coming back, baby! Finally, they're doing it! And then they're like, no, this this is just a game where you kill lots of dinosaurs that is not, it is definitely not Dino Crisis. (laughs) But it's had a lot of positive play tests. I've played a lot of the betas. 
and the premise of a 5v5 Overwatch-ish game that combines elements of squad-based shooters with Earth Defense Force, Dynasty Warriors, as someone who grew up playing a lot of early 2000s hack and slash games, I was excited by the premise because we don't, in this day and age, we don't get big budget games like this anymore. Nobody wants to take a risk on an Exo Primal. What? I'm sorry. What? You just kill, you kill lots of dinosaurs. That's the pitch for your game. No, we're going to make Call of Duty. Stop it. So I was excited. I was excited to see Capcom try this out. Their track record recently has been incredible. They've just been delivering hit after hit after hit. And there were some question marks with this one. You know, what's the loop? What's the what's the tale? There's seasonal content. Is it going to be fun? And I will say, if you have a squad and if you want a game that is built around speed runs, just going as fast as you can and killing as many things as you possibly can in small burst rounds, it's fun. The moment to moment gameplay is really, really fantastic. Each suit feels really uh different and there's some cool synergy between ultimates a lot of them are overwatch clones in some ways you have a winston you have a junk rat you have a you have a mercy so if you've played overwatch a lot of those skills will be very familiar but there's nothing really like exo primal on the market and that inherently is going to mean some people don't like it and i've seen a lot of people share their immediate dislike for exo primal online and I'm not going to argue that. It's not going to be a game for everyone. There is a lot of pay, not pay to win, but there's a lot of microtransactions and monetization problems and a lot of progression problems. If you buy the base edition of the game and you want to unlock the sniper character, for example, you have to hit player level 40. Some people are saying that you have to spend 30-ish hours, 20 to 30 hours to get to player level 40. So big time commitment for some of the unlocks. But outside of that, just for a dumb, fun video game concept, I am digging Exoprimal. Awesome. I also uh, played some Exoprimal uh, this week. It was, you know, made it to Game Pass. Figured, why not give it a shot? And uh, yeah, I mean... It is very Overwatch, Overwatch plus dinosaurs, which is not an equation that I will say is bad, right? That's a fun idea. <laughs> um, I'm not a huge fan of these type of games in general, so take my uh, views with a grain of salt. Um, I, I There's a lot to like. Like I, I do like the fact that you can uh, switch suits at any time in the battlefield, and it's really cool how it happens. You know, you pop out of your suit and you're kind of this vulnerable little person, you know, can pew, pew, pew. And then you can put the suit back, you know, different suit on. And it's the visuals are really cool. The way the suits like pop you out and un, and open up are really cool. Um, and the dinosaur fantasy of it all is kind of neat. I mean, the the game made waves when it was announced because of it. It's just literally like a portal opens and dinosaurs pour out of it by the dozens and that's kind of fun, but goofy. But what's, I think, more fun is the way the dinosaurs escalate. And so you have raptors, which is sort of just cannon fodder. And then you go up from there and you have, you know, have like a triceratops that you, you can't shoot from the front because it has the protective shield in the front. So you got to get around the side and, you know, all the way up to the Tyrannosaurus Rex that's going to, you know, be really uh, difficult to take down. And that is kind of fun. And often the dinosaurs themselves are used as sort of a... um well, sort of a rubber banding effect for the teams, you know, like the game will award the team that's trailing a dinosaur, uh, you know, a, a summon to 
allow them to throw a dinosaur at the other team. And so it's this weird mix of, I mean, it's very, it's very Overwatch, but it's this weird mix of, you know, you're, you and your squad are fighting a bunch of dinosaurs, but you're racing against the other team, which is fighting a bunch of dinosaurs. And then ultimately you'll have to face each other and fight each other in the midst of dinosaurs. Um, and that's kind of fun. I think for me, the negative, the the reason that I don't think it would replace Overwatch for me is that I just don't think the shooting feels good. And so much of these games that want you to become addicted to them and, and you know, marry them to a certain extent, have them be your go-to, like get your squad together and level up and go do the whole thing. I think for me, it comes down to feel and it doesn't feel good. Does it, do I like the moment to moment? And I think with, with Exoprimal, I never really found the love in how just shooting dinosaurs felt. There's a lot of different kinds of, of, you know, of, of suits and a lot of different ways to do it. And I played a lot with the support classes and it was fun going around and, you know, healing people and, you know, dropping heating zones, uh, healing zones, I should say. Um, and, and so you, there's lots of different classes, but I think fundamentally shooting a raptor or shooting 400 raptors just never felt great to me. I don't know if you if that resonates at all, Miles, but I had like to spend a long time dialing in my sensitivity settings. I, I play on console and the default controller set, settings for me were awful. It was so over the top so hard to aim so I, yeah. I cranked everything down and that made it feel a little bit better but i do agree it does not feel as good as overwatch in terms of its shooting yeah. i have been playing a lot of the melee classes so for me that hasn't been as much of a deal because i've just been using a giant katana and just chopping right. up raptors but i i i do understand the complaints about the shooting because it doesn't feel that tight it is very much for me it feels like if they added guns to a Dynasty Warriors game, this is how it would feel. Yeah. No, you're right. I, I did play some of the melee classes. And again, it, did, it, didn't, it didn't feel like heavy and, and impactful. And I, it didn't give me that visceral thing that I'm looking for out of these games that, that are asking me to do something over and over and over again. You know, like what Destiny nails or even Diablo 4 nails is that feeling of just like using my skills feels good. Yeah, and, you want to feel every moment, every impact. When you use an yeah. ultimate ability, you want to you want to feel that. And I I do agree that it doesn't translate in the same ways that other games like Destiny or Diablo have done incredibly well. Yeah, uh, Christian, I know you were very positive about this game and its uh, beta. Um, you were you talked a little bit about it. Um, have you dipped into the full release yet? Just barely before I left town. Um, I didn't have those problems with the shooting or that feeling, I should say, with the shooting in the in the beta, but I also played it for a much more limited amount. It it feels weird to say, especially after, you know, the main story at the beginning of this episode. It does feel like a perfect quote unquote game pass game. I think it feels a little less perfect to think I dropped sixty dollars on this game in terms of the type of package that it has especially comparing it to street fighter six that i think is one of the best fighting game packages of all time and so it does seem like the first perhaps miss quote unquote for capcom recently that said it is by all accounts still a very competent well-made game if it just feels a little zany i think for the times in which it came out it feels like 
um, not a driving game at all, but it feels like Crazy Taxi in some ways, where you're <laughs> like, this is the game? I get, this feels weird. Is this all I, I do? And then I you think keep a lot doing of that it is, over and over and over again. <laughs> I think a lot of that is because of the uh, the voiceover guy. <laughs> He's constantly yeah, talking yeah. to you. Yes. He's like, "Hey, yes. consider moving <laughs> forward." You know, yeah. he's like, "He's like, yeah. maybe, oh, oh, the other team just got a dinosaur. You should probably get ready for that." You know, it's yes, like, the, yes, that funny. is a great call out. The, the, that felt very Sega to me, and maybe yeah. like early aughts Capcom too. But yeah, it's like you can almost picture it saying, "Like, did somebody say Velociraptor? Uh oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. here comes a big boy!" Like it's very tongue in cheek. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> The enemy team is at 80% of the way. You should probably go over there and handle that. You know, it's like, it's very funny. It's like he's constantly suggesting, which on one hand, like, that's great. Like that's some of these team games need that, need that, you know, hey, there's a, there's an objective uh, thing. There's an objective objective that we need to worry about. Uh, We should all maybe be aware of that and the game making the team aware of that is not necessarily a bad thing but hey reinhardt you're a tank get up there and help the squad move this thing what are you doing you can't just snipe all the time (laughs) uh anyway that's exoprimal and uh you know game pass why not give it a shot that's how i feel it's like give it a shot maybe you'll love it uh, that's the beauty of Game Pass, but uh, it's not one that resonated with me. It sounds like Miles liked it a little more. Uh, all right, what else is on your playlist, Miles? I've been going back to Grounded. That's a game. My wife is not a gamer. She she doesn't play a lot of video games, but funny enough, she only plays the most hardcore video games that I can think of. So she has <laughs> a thousand hours in State of Decay two and plays State wow. of Decay two on the hardest difficulty, which wow. I don't bother with because it's miserable. It's a miserable video game experience, <laughs> but she seems to love it. And then Grounded, which is I love the world is amazing. It's one of my favorite video game worlds that Honey, I Shrunk the Kids theme and concept is is just perfect. And I can't imagine how we waited this long to get it. But some of the boss fights and some of the mechanics in Grounded are brutal. But that is one game we connect over. We play a lot. So I have never beaten it. We are at the very end. And we're kind of, you know, we're we're at that point where we're trying to do every little side thing that we can possibly do before we beat it. Because we have several hundred hours in this playthrough. Um, But it's going to be bittersweet to finish it because the story's great. It has an interesting campaign that makes me very excited for the Grounded animated series. Um, But yeah, there's not much left. We have one or two bosses left. And that's and that's it. And I then genuinely didn't know there was like a, a finishing of that game. I thought it was one of those, you know, just sort of keep going at it. Uh, yeah, because I play stuff like Ark, which, again, there is a vague story, Valheim, yeah. vague story. But Grounded has a cohesive campaign. It has a beginning and an end with with story beats in between with boss fights and lore and narrative. And so it is a surprisingly compelling story for a survival game. That's awesome. That's awesome to hear. I, I've not talk to anybody that played it that extensively but that's cool i'm actually also very fascinated about a non-gamer who loves state of decay that is an amazing it, <laughs> weird venn diagram that i've never seen before because <laughs> i i try I'll, I'll like let's play elden ring let's play i'll throw every new release that has multiplayer adder to see what sticks and one of the few games that stuck surprisingly was state of decay 2 and i dropped off state of decay 2 pretty quick and she just kept going and she's been playing for like that's amazing a straight year it's, it's awesome that's so my, cool uh, my wife also isn't a big gamer she uh 
did play second at Evo last year, though, and it's currently <laughs> currently touring on on a league pro team. But like otherwise, it's just <laughs> yeah. won't touch the stuff. Yeah, you know? <laughs> she's a top tier Rainbow Six player. But yeah, that's why State of Decay feels like so technical and like. You got to be really into it, right? It's like she, yeah, she pulls wow. me in the co-op sessions with her and she's playing on Nightmare or Hellscape or whatever the difficulty is now. And I'm just I'm <laughs> I'm dying. I'm done in a matter of like 20 <laughs> minutes. Like, all right, I can't I can't hang. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's so amazing. What a cool thing. All right. Well, that's uh, Exo Primal and Grounded in a little State of Decay 2. Uh, Christian, what is on your playlist? Before I get to the game that I have been personally playing, I want to tell a little story as I'm here on vacation with some extended family. And my brother-in-law and his two kids are playing Breath of the Wild. Now, that whole family, they're all gamers. And I don't know why Breath of the Wild was a, a miss for them before. His kids are about the same age as my kids, I think like 11 and 8. And they've played Switch games, PC games, Apple Arcade games. He, my brother-in-law grew up playing video games. Lots of gaming in that family through and through. For whatever reason, Breath of the Wild came late to them, and they've been playing it now for six months or so. Maybe it was an, a sale. I'm not sure. But watching them play Breath of the Wild together, the three of them, I have never seen anyone play it this way, and it is incredible. So my brother-in-law loves the shrines and loves the combat he's super into the breakable weapons and loves you know toying with new weapons again this is breath of the wild not tears of the kingdom so not fusing things but finding the better weapons and going out and exploring and doing the goblin uh you know bases and 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 all of that aspect of it absolutely love it his youngest is super into games like cooking mama and things like that so she's been having a blast cooking everything and like making all the meals and getting all the the uh, potions ready for him to go out and do his combat and then his oldest is a big explorer and loves that aspect of the game and going out and finding all of the Korok seeds marking all the shrines and so the three of them have made this Voltron it's like of division just, of labor yes and it is incredible <laughs> they are tearing through Breath of the Wild as a threesome where like you know my brother-in-law will kind of hit a, a, an impasse or put the put the switch down for a little bit and the youngest would be like oh what did you collect for me older child and older child's like look at all this cool stuff I found and dad look at all this cool stuff on the map I found for you and dad's like that sounds incredible and so they're talking about it when they're not playing it and then like seeing one come over and pick it up it's almost like I don't know if you all ever did family jigsaw puzzles as a child or maybe still <laughs> yeah. do but it's like it's 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 like that. Like the puzzle is out on the table, and someone walks by and is like, "Oh, here's the heart right there." You know, I finished the heart, and it it is so cool to watch. And my kids and I have we play a lot of games together, but never like that. And it's felt like such a fresh take on um, one level, one life. You know, mm -hmm. kind of approach of passing a controller. And so, Miles, I don't know if you've ever played a game that way. I don't know if you and your wife have played any survival games that way, or Jeff. I don't know if you have, but. I wasn't planning on talking about it until I saw it here these past few days, and it just blew me away. It is so cool. Sounds I very love charming. It. I, it's almost like it reminds me of the the exquisite corpse, you know, that storytelling improv thing where you can one person tells a story and then hands it off to the next person, and they tell the story, and you, you yeah, all together you cumulatively tell this wacky story because anybody can take it anywhere they want. It's like yeah. a video game equivalent of that. That's that's a really fun wild way to do it and i i don't think it would work for many people but if it works 
that's awesome. Yeah, I love I love that. That's because growing up, I, that's the way my family played a lot of games. Was we'd pass the controller, we'd play Donkey Kong Country, and we'd all sit there and we'd we'd take turns, we'd pass the controller around, and we'd play different sections of the game and share that experience together. And for the closest thing for me is having a shared family Animal Crossing house on GameCube <laughs> when that game first came out. My sister and I and my mom were really into Animal Crossing. And it was that shared thing where we just had the GameCube on at all times. And randomly throughout the day, we'd pop in and we'd do our daily Animal Crossing chores. And then somebody else would come in and there'd be some new structures or there would be some new furniture. And you'd go and and you'd have a letter from your sister or whatever that was a gift. Like, I, I saw this in the shop and bought it for you. And it was just, yeah, it just reminds me of that, like a very wholesome, family-centric way to experience a game together. That's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. That's a great pull too. We, uh, you know, I, I we, we would do the, uh, that kind of thing when I was a little kid uh, with friends, but it was always like, no, let me show you how to do it. It wasn't, it wasn't wholesome. It wasn't like, oh, wow, what are the cool things that you got for me? It was like, no, 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 I'm going to do it now because you, I can't stand watching you do that. Uh, yeah. Little, Did you erase my save? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, amazing. All right. So it's what's, really the, cool. what's the other game you've been playing? The game that I have been playing, I received a review code for it. It is Viewfinder by Sad Owl Studios. And folks in our community were talking about this game a lot when the demo was available as part of Steam Next Fest. Yeah, I was I was talking about it. Yeah. And uh, yes, as as were you. I have not rolled credits on this game just yet. I think I am very close. Like I mentioned to you before we started recording, Jeff, I think there's a good chance that we will finish recording. I will pick it up and then finish the last level. It feels like that's where I am. Oftentimes when you get a game for review, you are given a a kit that goes with it, giving you information about the game. And also as you're playing it, sometimes they'll connect you with other folks on discord to try to, you know, help you if you need help. This game is a first person, first person puzzle game. And they very generously said, if any of the puzzles stump you, feel free to reach out. We don't want you to be stuck for long. We're happy to help. I am loving this game so much that I have refused. I am not going to engage with the community in any way of this like reviewer cabal, you know, (laughs) as we're going through it. I'm not going to email for a solution. So I'm going through very slowly, which is why I think I have not rolled credits on it just yet. Uh, So Viewfinder is described by... Sad Owl Studios as a mind-bending first-person adventure game in which you can reshape reality by placing found objects into the world. And so a, a lot of the way the game works is that you are given an instant camera, think a Polaroid camera, and you take pictures of something in the world, and then you can place that picture in the world as well. And the game is so smart in how it translates the depth of a flat picture then into the world and you can then walk into that picture as it exists in space so if you're trying to get up to a second level but you can't because there's no stairs or elevator or anything like that but you can look across the way and there's a part of the world that is inaccessible to you but you can see stairs are over there you can take a picture of the stairs that instant picture then comes out and you can move around in the world to get it placed in just the right perspective where you want it to be, drop that picture, walk into it, and suddenly now you have a staircase up to the second level and you're able to uh, succeed in that goal. That's a very basic example of how the game works. I am telling you both, I have not played a puzzle game like this since Portal 2. I absolutely love viewfinder i cannot praise it more highly i think the only thing that is holding it back from 
portal or portal two in my opinion right now again having not quite seen credits yet so maybe there's some grand reveal at the end is the story the story isn't quite as engaging as portal and portal twos where that was so funny and such a cool mystery and the cake is a lie and all of the things that went into the world building in portal and portal two i don't think viewfinder quite delivers narratively on that level but the game is so incredibly creative and just a joy to play and it's not just the instant camera mechanic there are finding pictures in the world that already exist and placing them and building them and then later in the game i will be very vague here it changes some rules that you have been working with and it upends how you approach some of the problems and then later it starts introducing new problems to the world of changing um i'm trying to see how i can say this vaguely changing the perception that you see through the lens so one early example is there is a photocopier so you take a picture then you put it in the photocopier but now what you're holding is a photocopy of a picture so it looks different right we've all you know what a black and white photocopy looks like so now you pick that up and you hold it and you place that in the world and then you walk into it and now you're walking around a photocopied world you know all of the textures and the environment totally changes to match the thing that you've placed in the world and each level is just such a dang treat to explore and the narrator one of the narrator characters in there it, it's not overly talkative it's not it's not exoprimal but there's just enough like attaboying and i'm not gonna lie it makes me feel really good like i'll solve a puzzle and, and this you know in-game narrator will be like wow that was really good you're, you're you're pretty smart good job on that one and i don't know if they say that to everyone or if i you know hacked some solution or something <laughs> but it feels incredible i'm like i thank you and it's not over the top it's just like a, hey good job that was fast wow you did that really and i'm like thank you in game narrator i did i feel really good right now like i'm blushing this is an incredible experience <laughs> you guys i'm playing almost exclusively on my steam deck that's how i it's on playstation 5 and pc i started on my pc even before i left and i was like i want to play this on steam deck almost you know flawless 60 frames per second on steam deck and i want to dive into some of the specifics and some of the incredible moments that i've had in this game but i'm not going to do that yet as you know embargo has just come up and we're allowed to talk about it and i want people to have the same level of experience that i had with this game in terms of the creativity and the solutions to solving these puzzles viewfinder is a home run again barring something really crapping the bed here in the last i think five minutes <laughs> you know that i have left in this game i love it in 2023 the year of more incredible games and i think of maybe any year in recent memory it needs to be talked about at the end of the year in terms of all of the great games that have come out and doing something new in this first person's puzzle space clearly isn't easy to do you know there's portal portal 2 a few others have come out over the years but i think to have something like viewfinder come out is a triumph and the first game for sad Owl, sad owl studios it is an absolute home run it is beautiful and it is it exemplifies what i love so much about video games yes i love naughty dogs games yes i love insomniacs games yes i had a great time playing halo infinite but for me to have this experience solving these puzzles with this, in this game and then having honest to goodness awesome conversations with my wife and kids about them and them being interested you know understanding what's happening 
that alongside the pure magic of how well the laying the picture and walking into it works every single time. It feels like magic. I don't yeah. know the coding that goes into it to make it happen every single time. It feels like magic and it just works. It's like an Apple product, you know, like, Oh, you put in your AirPods and it syncs to your first device. And you're like, that can't be that cool. It does, and then you do it. And you're like, Oh my gosh, this little thing is so neat. That's how viewfinder feels every single time you place a picture or whatever it is into the world. Uh, buy it, go buy viewfinder. I, if you have any inkling that you like games like Portal, Portal 2, or that type of game, I guarantee you you'll love it. I am blown away by how awesome it is. Man, I was impressed by the demo. Now i got to play the full game because that uh, you're right. That, that feeling of magic really is pretty special. It, uh, <laughs> it's, it, it's hard to describe it with just words, uh, but when you do it a few times and you're like, this, I can just put it anywhere? And it figures out how to let me walk into it. That's mm-hmm. it's incredible. Yeah. It's and then cute. there are levels you walk in and you're like, wait, I can't. Yeah, the game's broken. I can't do it. This one's broken. They didn't play test it. Clearly this one's broken. Yep, dumb game. Hey, it's, they hate this game. It's really stupid. Oh, wait, there it is. Oh, my gosh, it's brilliant. Like I feel like it's similar to when I build a Lego and I, I go through the levels of emotion of like, okay, I need the two block. There's no two block. Kit's messed up. They, they sent me a faulty one. There's no two block. <laughs> there's no two block. This, this stinks. I'm never going to build this. This is the dumbest thing. Oh, there's a two block. Where does it go? It goes there? Wow, this is so cool. <laughs> and that's what a lot of viewfinder levels are like for me. It's phenomenal. I love it. It's like uh, doing Legos on shag carpeting, evidently. Uh, <laughs> you have the worst idea. <laughs> <laughs> Dude. Don't get me started. When I was a kid, my grandparents had shag carpeting. I, I did Lego on shag carpeting my entire – it was like it was the dumbest thing in the world. <laughs> I wanted to – I love your grandparents have shag carpet, Lego, and a goose that hates you. <laughs> yeah. No, exactly. Same grandparents. That was the same ones. Viewfinder. Go get Viewfinder. it. Viewfinder. Well, I got to pick that one up. All right. Um, I want to tell you about an indie game I've been playing as well. This one comes highly recommended. Uh, you know that I love um, um, Vampire Survivors. Uh, Vampire Survivors was my na- game of the year, uh, personal game of the year last year. Um, and I adore it. I adore it. And now I've, I've, I'm delighted to find that there are Vampire Survivor likes. It's it's become its own sh- subgenre uh, with a bunch of uh, Survivor likes that are hitting. And um, I've mentioned a few of them one that a lot of people recommended to me is a game called halls of torment which has been variously described as uh vampire survivor meets diablo which i mean come on that sounds like it's a game made for me so i picked it up one of the things that's so wonderful about vampire survivor likes as a subgenre is that they always tend to have a low price point and halls of torment is five bucks so you know because uh Vampire Survivor launched at $2, uh, and so it, it's become a hallmark of this subgenre that these games are very inexpensive, which is just delightful. Uh, so I, you know, I jumped in at $4.99 and picked up Halls of Torment, and I think the description of it as Vampire Survivor meets Diablo is not inaccurate. It certainly looks a lot like uh, an old Diablo, Diablo 1 or 2. It pixelated, you know, obviously these, many of these games are. Vampire Survivor is as well. And it's got that aesthetic. It's got that sort you know, Halls of Torment kind of tells you the story there. It's got that uh, that Diablo-esque kind of, you're going into hell and there's all these demons and they're coming at you. Uh, so it, it, it's evocative of Diablo in that sense as well. But more than that, 
if you've played Vampire Survivor, you know that you're walking around uh, and there are hordes of enemies on all sides of you. And as you kill them, they drop little beads, little uh, experience globules. And you walk around and pick those up and you level up. And as you level up, you are uh, allowed to select new skills. That's how Vampire Survivors works. Well, uh, similarly, in Halls of Torment, that's how you, you dispatch enemies. They're coming at you, constantly coming at you. And you're using uh, your skills to, uh, you know, they're proccing periodically. And there's different classes of characters that you can unlock. You start with a swordsman and uh, you can unlock other characters from there. Uh, but in this game, when you level up, you will actually change your stats and you'll have a variety of options in that regard every time you level up uh, a randomized set in the same way that Vampire Survivor has a randomized set. But you're changing your stat, your ability to block, your defense, your offense, your crit chance, your uh, your damage output, um, a, a variety of different stats. And you're only given new skills, new actual magic spells or, or attacks or things that proc uh, periodically when you either defeat boss monsters or retrieve these scrolls that are uh, in the level at, in some place. And there's always a little indicator on the edge of the screen as to which direction a scroll is in. So you can sort of go off and try to find one. And there are little quests to uh, complete and stuff. But it, it really changes the calculus because part of the joy of Vampire Survivor is every time you level up, you get something new. Uh, I mean, at a certain point, you start just improving the new stuff that you already got. But for the most part, you're like getting cool new skills and you're just you're deciding which new awesome thing you get to do. Whereas here, most of the time, you're just improving your stats. And if anybody has listened to this show for any prolonged period of time, you know that my preference is the former. My preference is the way Vampire Survivor does it. My preference with any game where you level up isn't that you get plus one to this or plus two to that. I find that to be much less interesting as just, you know, little numbers go up than actually getting to do new stuff. That's the more fun thing is that new, a wildly new ability has been granted me rather than, oh, this chest piece gives me four more of those, right? And in... And from that perspective, which is my perspective on things, uh, this feels like the game that should have come first. This feels like a prequel almost in a lot of stylistically to Vampire Survivor in that it is much less exciting every time you level up. And what you have to do is these very active uh, choices to actually get new cool abilities. But... So in, in one sense, I really prefer Vampire Survivor's approach. But in another sense, it's kind of a neat twist in that it's much more intentional. It's much more, uh, when I start a run of Vampire Survivor, I'm just sort of milling around doing stuff. Yes, there are some objectives, you know, global ob objectives that might, I might, be, might have in mind that I want to do that are on my list of objectives to do. But for the most part, I'm just sort of leveling up and seeing what is presented to me and then seeing what build I want, right? Whereas with this game, it is, it is much more intentional. It is much more, okay, I got to get here and do a thing. I got to finish this quest. I got to 
go over here and find that thing. I'm going, I'm moving. I keep got to keep moving. And it kind of changes up things because often when I'm playing Vampire Survivor, I'm just sort of like circling around and I kill a big group of enemies and then I circle back and soak up all their delicious experience globules. And then I, you know, rinse, repeat. And I'm sometimes I'm a, attempting to go to a place and do a thing, but very rarely, it's not as often as in Halls of Torment where it kind of changes it because I'm often like, I gotta get all the way to the left. I gotta get all the way to the left. So I'm killing stuff, but I'm abandoning the experience points globules or I have to decide to circle back and get the, it, it just kind of changes it up in a really subtle but impactful way. And I like this game. I really do. I think the 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 quest system. Also, you get gear like you would in uh, Diablo. You you have slots for boots and helm and chest piece and uh, gloves, and you, you can outfit your character. And at a certain point, you rescue this guy who then allows you to send a a piece of armor or an item that you've acquired. Uh, back to him so that you always have it accessible to you at the beginning of every run. So again, intentionality. It's like, oh, I found a cool thing. I got to go get it to the guy to send to, so I can use this on subsequent runs. It just adds kind of more objectives. Uh, And I think that in and of itself makes it worthwhile. I've played this deep into the night (laughs) many times. Um, and it, it, it scratches that same itch that Vampire Survivors does a very similar experience, but I think it's cool. If you've played Vampire Survivors, you know, out, which in a large sense I have, I've just, I've played that game so much that I know that they keep adding new stuff and that's cool. But at a certain point, I'm like, I kind of want something a little bit different. I think this is different enough, but reminiscent enough of the original experience to be worthwhile. And it's five bucks. It's five bucks. Halls of Torment is what it's called. I like it. I think it's a, a worthy successor to the throne of Vampire Survivors. I think it's fascinating. How, uh, like there, you just said it's a worthy successor, but I think it's fascinating to think of it as something that I think you said it should have come first, quote unquote. And I love the idea that Vampire Survivor, you know, came out, but also was discovered a little later after it came out and became popular when people were watching other people play and it was still in, what was it, early access and it kind of became this phenomenon. But I love the idea that it kind of moved the needle so far forward that there's people now playing in the space of games like it, but before it, if that makes sense. I find that fascinating of like the space that exists between where we were and Vampire Survivor. And I love that there's still room for other games to explore that area that aren't trying to do something necessarily past vampire survivor, if that makes sense, but still play within that space. I love that. I mean, that's kind of my reading of it is that it feels like a prequel. That might not be everybody's, but it does. Yeah. It does feel a bit like they're filling in these gaps of like, Oh, what if vampire survivors, but Diablo, what if, you know, what if these kind of older tropes in, you know, expressed through the vampire survivor methodology. And I think that's, uh, it's really interesting. It's really interesting. Uh, it, it, you're right. It's, it was so in, such a new idea. Um, I love seeing it. Seeing it. Yeah, it's uh, great to hear like you this. touch on the, the idea of progression in an RPG, meaning impactful changes to gameplay. Because for me, yeah. 
that's always the most exciting. Yeah. I, the the big number getting bigger. Well, it's satisfying on some level to our lizard brain to see, you know, big numbers. I want I want to feel that in different ways. So that is one thing that Vampire Survivors grabbed me instantly. A lot of my friends who've done everything in Vampire Survivors have been playing Halls of Torment and trying to get me to play Halls of Torment. I uh, Vampire Survivors for me was a real problem. You know, after <laughs> after three or four sessions when I would play for four straight hours and not even realize it, I was like, yeah. I need to uninstall this game right now. This is yeah. this is a problem. So I love Vampire Survivors. Have not done everything in it, and I think I. Before I would jump into this, I would need to go back and face my demons, if you will. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so I mean, to speak. I think the dirtiest trick that game ever did, and other games have certainly done this too, but is the idea that a run can only be 30 minutes. It's like yeah. the difference of watching a movie versus one episode of a TV show. And then instead of watching one episode, you watch a season. Uh-huh. You know, and you're like, yeah. oh, you did me dirty. Yeah. You did me dirty. So true. It's so true. I'm right there with you, Miles, as far as preferring the big, impactful, new, cool skill. But I got to say, and, you know, I, I'm shocked this is coming out of my mouth. There's something because of how much rarer and more intentional you have to be to get the new skill in Halls of Torment. There's something about it that kind of makes it even more special. It's like, oh, dude, I got the thing because I'm not just getting a thing every level. Like, I have to actually go pick up the scroll from the place or I have to defeat the big bad boss monster who drops it. it's like whoa it's it's rarer <laughs> and and therefore sort of more special you know yeah it's a cool game five bucks there you go all right that's gonna do it for this episode of dlc we do have parting gifts coming up so stick around for those but miles dompierre thank you so much for being here it's always such a pleasure to talk to you absolutely appreciate both of you Appreciate being on and uh, especially, you know, given everything, it's it's funny that you mentioned my uh, was that my debut? I know I've been on a few times. I forget if that was I don't the know debut, if that was the but... first one, but it was certainly the, uh, the very, a very big one. <laughs> it's all come full circle. Yeah. Yeah. Very fun. Oh, tell folks where they can keep up with you and all the cool stuff you do online. Oh, yes. If you want to keep up t- with what I'm doing, you can follow me on Twitter and threads at Miles Dompierre. You can also catch my work on Windows Central and IGN and my personal channel, uh, youtube.com slash Miles Dompierre. Christian Spicer, what about you? What do you got going on this week? Well, you can follow this show on Threads. DLC Hype Train is where the threading is happening. So much threading. I am. There's so much threading. The eyebrows have never looked better. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, And then a new feeling. This is dropping on Friday as well. This past episode was about dive roll, which is a really fun discussion where we started talking about dive roll and then started talking about evading in general and what maybe makes dive roll more satisfying than a general evade or what makes that for Alex and I more satisfying than a block or a parry. So a really, really awesome discussion. I encourage people to check that out by becoming a patron to this show at patreon.com slash DLC pod. They are such great episodes. You guys are doing such amazing stuff there. It's, it's really a great bonus. And again, you know, the, the, the paid DLC show, which is just a uh, wacky, wacky fun that requires the cool ranch subscription uh, level. But the uh, feeling this stuff, feelings this Fridays are yours at any level. So folks uh, don't let that, you know, uh, deter you. Uh, get over there. Patreon.com slash DLC pod. All right. 
Uh, for me, uh, I'm on threads as well uh, at Jeff Canada and, uh, you know, all the places. There's so many places now. Too many places. That's There's the too problem. many places. Too many places. Uh, also, I have other shows you could check out, including the film cast, talking about movies and TV shows. I have a comedy science show called We Have Concerns, a sports show called, uh, called uh, The Fan Controlled Show. Its name changes every week, actually. Uh, all of those available wherever you get podcasts. Just search or search for my name. It's easy to find. Uh, lots of good fun. Also, my YouTube channel is where you can see the video version of the book club that Lana Bashinsky and I do. So much fun. We're about to finish the second book of the Malazan Books of the Fallen. And I think we might be interviewing the author uh, coming very soon. So uh, it's it has been such a delight. And I have just rediscovered my love of reading. And, and these books are so good. You really should get in on it with us. Uh, there's a non-spoiler section at the beginning of every episode. So if you're not even reading these books, they're still fun. Good stuff. Uh, my YouTube channel is youtube.com slash Kanata Jeff. All right. Let's wrap the show up now with our parting gifts. Hey, give us a suggestion of what to do this week. Give us a parting gift. This is your parting gift. Miles, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week? Yes. And, you know, semantics aside, some people might say, well, this is a video game. What I'm pitching is a tool to learn how to play guitar, and that is Rocksmith Plus which Ooh. is something I dived in at launch um, as part of a review process, had a, a trial. It was very limited in terms of what was there at launch, but I, I resubbed recently to go back because I loved Rocksmith on console. I've been playing guitar for 20 years at this point. I love playing guitar, and I've had a lot of people ask me, how do I learn guitar? What's the process? And I've struggled you know, early on. You have the days where you can't do anything. You don't get it. And it's it's easy to fall off it because you don't really have guidance. You you hear a song that you want to learn. You can't learn it. So you're like, this is stupid. Guitar sucks. I'm, I'm, I'm dumping it. Rocksmith in its current state has a huge suite of tools. So if you've been interested in legitimately learning how to play guitar from super fundamentals to how to hold your pick, how to strum, to chords and notes and scales, there are tools in here and you are graded based on your performance. And it's such such a streamlined, easy way to learn guitar that I really wish I had growing up. So I've been loving it. Uh, there's also just, uh, I think there's thousands of songs, three, 4,000 songs you can learn as well baked into it. It is a subscription now, so it is a monthly recurring fee. But if you've been thinking about getting guitar lessons or you've been thinking about getting into guitar rocksmith plus in its current state is really really good i have thought about doing this for so long i mean i i, I play the guitar and i've played for many many years but i want it to get better you know and i want to learn specific songs and i feel like this would be really cool and i've been so intrigued by the you can use any guitar you already own with it thing does that really work well like you don't you like set up your phone on the app and it listens or something so I've been doing it on PC. I haven't messed around with the app. So mm -hmm. I had the the real tone. It's a proprietary cable that you can plug into USB. Oh, okay. And so if you have that cable, you can plug it into anything with a USB port, laptop, desktop, PC. And that's how I've been playing. And literally any guitar that I have, I have several guitars. As long as there is a port, a uh, quarter inch port, you can plug it in and use it. 
Cool. And it's another Ubisoft joint, so you might be able to play this with a haptic t-shirt. <laughs> oh, man. Imagine those cords just pounding your chest. You miss that bar A, you get severe abdominal pain. You know, like you- Simulating being in a mosh pit. <laughs> it's, it says it's it's G C D stab. That feels weird. <laughs> Amazing. Um, all right, that's Rocksmith Plus. Uh, Christian Spicer, what is your parting gift? Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning Part One. Maybe one of the worst names for a movie in a very long time. But what an incredible movie. I am going to be, again, I apologize, vague here, because I think you don't want it spoiled. This movie has some of the best set pieces I've ever seen in my life. And the fact that it has multiple of them, it just continues to blow me away with what this crew is able to do, sequel to sequel to sequel to sequel, for this Mission Impossible franchise that I think has become my favorite film franchise of all time question mark which feels weird to say but there's really not a stinker in the lot dead reckoning part one is absolutely incredible you listen to this show i know you love video games i know you love big bombastic set pieces i promise you you are going to love mission impossible dead reckoning part one it is an absolute home run of a film did you love uncharted you'll definitely love mission impossible dead reckoning part one um, it's a very good film. <laughs> it's super fun. Uh, we talk about it on the new uh, episode of the film cast too. go deep on that. Uh, so check that out. Uh, if you have watched the movie. All right. Uh, my, uh, my parting gift uh, is uh, I've talked about bluey many times. Uh, it's one of my favorite TV shows. Is it a kid's show? Yeah. Is it one of my favorite TV shows? You bet. It is uh, as delightful for adults as it is for kids. I can watch it with my kids. I can watch it over and over and over with my kids and I don't hate it, which is rare for kids television programming. Uh, and there are new episodes. If you're in the United States, I mean, this is an Australian show. So these have been available in Australia for a while, I believe, but there were 10 new episodes that debuted on Disney plus this last week. And they are all bangers. They are all bangers. And by bangers, I mean, I'm crying at the end of all of them. Um, there is such beauty, such, I can't, I can't fathom how they keep doing it. They keep knocking them out of the park. Now, I don't know how many episodes in, uh, you know, 60, 70. I don't know. There's a lot of episodes of the show. And I don't think there's a bad one in the bunch. And there are some of the most incredible television experiences I've ever had. The new ones are great. There's an amazing one called Puppets where at the end, you know, it kind of, uh, I don't even want to spoil it. It's wonderful. There's so many great ones. This, these new batch, give it a shot. Even if you don't have kids, I, I think you might love Bluey. It's a great animated show on Disney plus. If you're in the United States, we got a listener suggested parting gift as well. This was sent to us at DLC feedback at gmail.com. It comes from Phil from Detroit. Phil says, I just wanted to point your attention to a podcast. I love listening to called eggplant. It is hosted by a number of game devs, and they go into deep dives with other game devs about the games they dev. It gets super gnarly and detailed and is super interesting most of the time. Take the time to listen and get some real insight into the process of development and the thoughtfulness behind it. A good spot for you to start would be this episode about Darkest Dungeon 2. Love the show. Love the posi positivity. 
Phil from Detroit. Thanks, Phil. Eggplant is the name of the podcast. Great recommendation. Uh, I love hearing developers talk about development. So, uh, and uh, uh, Phil suggests starting with Darkest Dungeon 2's episode. Very cool. If you'd like to have your parting gift read on the show, send it to us. DLCfeedback at gmail.com is where you send those. We appreciate them. All right. That's it for this episode of DLC. Thanks for listening. Thanks to Miles Dampier and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star for those fun bumpers. Thanks to our theme song composers, White Cube, which is Jason Sherry and T. Ryan Arnold. Thanks to Jason J. Anderson, who made the DLCSwag.com website, where you can get swag for the show to sport all around town. But the biggest thanks we reserve for our patrons who make this show possible at at, uh, patreon.com slash dlcpod. Thank you, patrons, for supporting us and supporting the show. Our hype train patrons, our top tier patrons, they get their names read out at the end of every episode, which I'm going to do right now. Can I tell you about our hype train patrons? These are the patrons whose names ring out above all others. Names like Dwayne T. Robinson Tyler Buckwild Broad Rob Wonder Rob Dominguez Kevin Eday and Stephen T. Seifert and Joe DeFrank Hyperboy 66 and Brian Jordan. Scott Lambert, David Epp, Shoryuken, and comedian Aaron Trahan. John Sisko, Curtis from Louisville, and Relentless Rex, Matt Valdez, Andy Joyce. Michael S. and Kyle Starr, Anthony Goulas, Dan Flanagan, Riley Knox and Rob Nickman, Sasan, Adam Denby, Hank Patton and Cheesy Bob, Scooby Diesel, Jonathan Talbert, Victor Valenzuela, Chris Zacharias, Matt Bradley, Jeff Luxack, Will with one L Harris, Jonathan Putney, Mitchell Ness, Mark Gowland, Jimmy Radcliffe, Malcolm King, Dan Palmino, Scott Hughes, Ben, Jenny, Nate, Stu Goss, Kevin Brazel, Zachary White, Jonathan Spiceman Forever Schlepfer. Yick. Albert of the Stuff and Junk Show Podcast. Soren Silk and Travis. Mike Lombardo and Jackson. Michael Buck and Peter Olberg. Michael Stadler and Josh Peake, Nick Strauss Klein, 
and jad Christian bravery and Taylor Wigert Octavian Rats you Jason Novak Our hype train patrons We cannot thank you enough for your generosity and kindness of spirit a spirit that will live on through eternity All right Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.